Well, church, I'm so excited to be with you this morning because today is Vision Sunday at our church. And I'm really looking forward to sharing where we believe the Lord is leading us in this season. Some of you may be thinking, but pastor, it's already March. Time is marching on. Why are you only presenting the vision of our church now? Isn't it a bit late? Well, church, firstly, I think it's important to know that as a church, we are not led by programs and deadlines. We are led by the Holy Spirit. And secondly, and secondly, we don't serve a God that is restricted to time. We serve a God that is outside of time. And so we are very mindful not to limit what God wants to do by setting a time limit to it. You see, because church life and church has evolved, called church culture has evolved so much over the past few decades, churches may run the risk of feeling the pressure at the beginning of each year to bring a brand new vision just because that's what everyone else is doing. And don't get me wrong, vision is, is very important. Even scripture makes mention of this very thing. The book of Habakkuk chapter 2 says, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. But look at what it says in verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. I like how the, the Living Bible puts it. It says, write my answer on a billboard large and clear, so that anyone can read it at a glance and rush to tell the others. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. I love that. They will not be overdue a single day. So yes, vision is critically important, but church, God's timing in fulfilling that vision is perfect. And that's why as a church, as when we speak about vision, especially going forward, we're speaking about a vision for a season. We're not going to just limit it to a specific time or a specific year, because the Lord may only slightly redirect us in two years from now. Maybe put it down a little bit. I think this is a bit of feedback. The Lord may even direct us a bit sooner. But church, we will take His leadership. It's also important to know that when we speak about vision, we, when we speak about the kingdom today, which I'm excited to speak to you about which and, and which I'll unpack shortly, it's imperative, church, that we don't discard everything else that the Lord has shown us thus far. Because what the Lord has impressed on our hearts over the past couple of years, I would say is just as important now as it was back then. You know, since we changed the name of our church back in 2018, the Lord has been very faithful in giving us very clear direction on where and what He wants us as a church to focus on. And just by show of hands, how many of you can remember the vision over the past couple of years? There's about five of you, huh? <laughs> it was early in 2018 that the eldership of our church went on a retreat from which was birthed the new name of our church and the main vision for our church, which we constantly refer to. 
And we will always direct, direct everything back to our vision, which says we see a new breed of worshipers creating atmospheres for breakthrough in every strata of society, restoring lives and transforming cities and nations. Every vision subsequent to that will be, have to speak to our main vision. In 2019, we focused on setting strong biblical foundations for us as a body through the Word of God to ensure that the footing that we were launching off from was solid and stable. In 2020, we focused on the theme of intimacy and covered topics like humility, habitation, abide, bondservant, and identity, among others. It was also the year where COVID-19 hit the world and where we started recording and then subsequent to that, streaming our services online and where we gathered very seldomly as a church together. In 2021, our theme was around the book of Acts. As we felt the Lord was leading us back to an authentic church expression of the type of church that truly resembles Jesus Christ here on this earth and the type of church that fosters at its core the principles of prayer, worship, the word, testimonies, and, and fellowship. It was the time also where we broke into different campuses and where we saw many of your giftings coming through and new ministries being birthed. And church, just because those years have come and gone, it doesn't mean that where God has been leading us up to this point must now be discarded and forgotten. In fact, what we direct focus on as our vision for the season is really just building on where God has already been leading us. It's important that. So as a church, we will continue to set strong biblical foundations as we grow spiritually and in number. We will continue to pursue ways to deepen our intimacy with the Lord, ways to remain in His manifest presence. As a church, we will carry on fostering and nurturing the principles of prayer, worship, the Word, testimonies, so that you can give thanks to God for what He's doing in your life, and our fellowship together as the body of Christ, together having meals together, but also observing the sacrament of the Lord's table. And church, continually finding ways to give you, the body of Christ, opportunities to step into your gifting. The Lord says, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Which brings us this morning, church, to our vision for this next season. Now remember, I'm not saying this next year. I'm saying this next season. And our vision for this next season, I think it's pretty clear this morning, is the kingdom. Now, I know when I say the kingdom, that may sound like a bit of a broad statement because the kingdom is used in a number of different contexts in the Bible. But let me just preach for a few moments, if I may, and then I'll explain what that means for us as a church and for our vision this season. Is that okay? I'm sure you will agree with me this morning when I say that over the past couple of years, specifically the past two years, our world has completely changed. COVID-19 hit us from left field, and what we knew as normal life, what we could count on, and what we had the freedom to make our own choices on, largely was, was taken away from us. Since then, just about everyone has been trying to get back to some kind of normal 
or at least find a new normal so that we can just get on with life. In the interim, though, we've had to deal with constant inflation, job losses, with rising pressures to comply to even more controls from government. We've had load shedding, and we now pay more than 20 rand a liter for fuel to get from point A to point B. That's some of what's happening in our, our part of the world. But two and a half weeks ago, for those living in the Ukraine, their world changed in one day. Early Thursday morning on the 24th of February 2022, Vladimir Putin and the Russian army invaded the sovereign peaceful nation of, of Ukraine. Bombs and missiles bombarded the defenseless people of Ukraine by a megalomaniac trying to expand his borders and bring back the sovereign or the glory of the old Soviet Union. Just a few weeks before that, the world thought that they had unity by gathering around sporting events at the Beijing Olympics. But in a matter of days, that was destroyed. As the war began, and which has to date resulted in thousands of casualties, civilian casualties, and over two million people that have had to flee their own country. Women and children are, being, are having to leave without their husbands and fathers because men between the ages of 18 and 60 have, to, have been called to defend their own country. Even as we are here today and, and while we slept in our beds last night, families in the Ukraine slept in the subway system or in underground bunkers. While we slept knowing that we would wake up and come to church this morning, the people in Ukraine went to bed sleeping, wondering if they would ever wake up. Outside of that conflict, there's even the rumors that China are waiting to attack Taiwan because a day after the Ukraine invasion began, China sent nine military jets over Taiwan as a flyover and as a warning. There is also the ongoing tensions in the Middle East that are rising and that more and more are starting to resemble the prophecies in the book of Ezekiel. Outside of the battlefield, there's the internal battles that the enemy is raging through world leaders, big tech companies, and educational institutions to destroy God's divine order for mankind. There is a severe attack on our families and our children. By introducing perverse types of sex education, telling our children to experiment with different types of sexual behavior, and encouraging them to decide what gender they prefer to become. They are also being encouraged to make decisions without their parents' consent. And even before they reach adulthood, they are being given the right to have a sex change in different parts of the country. And you may say to me, but pastor, that, that's not going to happen in our country, is it? No, but church, it is. It's right on our doorstep. Throughout our country right now, the very same sex education syllabus is being introduced. Some private schools around the country are changing their male and female bathrooms to, to any gender bathrooms. One of the teachers that attend our church told me this week that when they say good morning to the children, you know when the, the children gather together for assembly or just in a group, they have been instructed that they can't say good morning boys and girls anymore. Because, you know what, that might offend someone who looks like a boy who is a boy, but wants to identify themselves as a girl and, and vice versa. And church, I'm not saying all these things and, and sharing all this current news 
to make you depressed this morning. What I want to point out to you, church, is that Jesus wants us to see current events as kingdom events. Let me say that again. Jesus warns us in Scripture to see current events as kingdom events. That what we're witnessing right now, church, around our world and even in our own country and even in our own communities has kingdom ramifications. This is what Jesus warns us about in Luke chapter 12 from verse 54. He says, when you see a cloud forming in the west, don't you say a storm is brewing? And then it arrives. And when you feel the south wind blowing, you say a heat wave is on the way. And so it happens. What hypocrites. You are such experts at forecasting the weather, but you are totally unwilling to understand the spiritual significance of the time you're living in. In fact, the message translation says it like this. Frauds, you know how to tell a change in the weather, so don't tell me you can't tell a change in the season, the God season that we're in right now. As a church, we must be challenged to really open up our eyes in this God season that when we see and hear these things taking place, Church, we need to recognize the possibility that we're beginning to witness what could very well be the last days. And I know that's a term that is thrown around very loosely in, in church circles and has been done so for many decades. Because some of you heard that you were living in the last days when you were 10 years old and now you're in your 40s or your 50s or 60s, you know? So I want us to have a look at the timeless words of Jesus to to bring some context for us. Matthew chapter 24, it says, Jesus, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Meaning, he's already there, so he's speaking about a second coming and, and the end of the age. And then Jesus says, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars like Ukraine and Russia and rumors of wars like China and Taiwan and others that are right now beginning to brew. And he says, see that you are not alone, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom will rise against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. The Apostle Paul further defines birth pains for us in the book of Romans chapter 8. And he says, To this day we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation. As if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And then he said, it's not just creation. We, who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, also inwardly groan as we passionately, he's about to speak about those last days, as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and God's daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this is the hope of our salvation. And I like what he says here. 
But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen, for why would we need to hope for something we already have? You see, church, God has put a groan in His creation, and God has put a groan in His people today. I don't want to say that again because this is important for us to understand. God has put a groan in His creation, and God has put a groan in His people, His church. The groan that Paul is is speaking about is a longing for the yet to be seen. The final restoration in creation in eternity, the coming and the manifestation of the kingdom. That's the groan. It's a longing for that final return where Jesus comes and makes everything right. And whether the birth pains are felt internally, Romans 8, or whether they are seen externally, Matthew chapter 24, God speaks through these birth pains. He speaks to us. And I believe that God is speaking right now to His church and He's beginning to ask us to lift our eyes to the kingdom so that we would be ready for a coming and a last day's revival. He is speaking to the church. He's going to set our eyes upon the kingdom. And He's going to put something in the hearts of His children around this world for a revival that is going to break out. I believe that God can do that. God is speaking to His church, and and I guess the question is, how do we respond? Because the danger is that if a church doesn't feel those birth pains or ignores them, then leaders and congregants, members of the church, are going to respond to the wrong groans. When we don't respond to those birth pains like what's happening in Ukraine or in the Middle East, what's infiltrating our schools and the spirit of control behind our governments... When we're not responding to the groans we see externally and feel internally, then we start responding to the wrong groans. Church, what I mean by that is the groans of the people start replacing the groans of the Spirit. And when that happens, churches, the church becomes man-focused instead of eternity-focused. The church becomes circumstance-focused instead of kingdom-focused. When the church or the pulpit loses the groan of the Holy Spirit, then we start listening to seeker-sensitive people. And you know what? It doesn't matter what individuals say or even what the world is saying. What really matters at this point is what heaven is saying. Amen? Amen? That's the groan that God is expecting a response to. That deep groan of the Spirit of God. It was C.S. Lewis that made a statement that really defined the groan of Romans chapter 8. When he speaks about the emptiness in every man and woman that they carry within their soul and that groan that they have, listen to what he said. This is powerful. Our Heavenly Father has provided many delightful inns, or we could call them hotels, for us along our journey, but he takes great care to see that we do not mistake any of them for home. You know what he's saying to us, church? He's saying, don't make your home in a hotel when you have a heavenly kingdom that you're you're moving towards. He's saying, don't over-decorate down here because there's a mansion that's been built in heaven for you today. God is speaking to his church, and as we respond to that groan and those birth pains, that should automatically lift our eyes to the king and the kingdom. You know, church, God is showing us the futility of putting our trust in world leaders and the kingdoms of this world. 
Because truthfully, church, nobody can get us out of this mess that the world finds itself in right now. I don't know if you've been watching the, the coverage of the Ukrainian war. My daughter says it's very depressing, but you have all these most, all the most powerful leaders around the world imposing the strongest sanctions on Russia that any country has ever faced. NATO has promised that it will uh, defend every square inch of the countries that belong to the NATO alliance, I guess in an attempt to warn Russia to not go any further. The USA and the UK and almost every other country in the world are pledging their allegiance with Ukraine. They are standing with Ukraine, but no one is willing to enter the battle with Ukraine. President Zelensky is begging for, for help from any place he can, but still no one is willing to enter the battle. And you see, as commendable as some of the efforts have been thus far to assist Ukraine with the horrific humanitarian crisis, no leader and no kingdom of this world can solve the main problem. And I'm not here today to run down world leaders. I'm just pointing out the importance, church, of lifting up our eyes in this God's season to see where our help comes from. Because let me tell you, there is someone that is willing to enter the battle with us. And his name is Jesus. Psalm chapter 20 verse 7 says, Some find their strength in their weapons and wisdom, but my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in Yahweh our God who makes us strong and gives us victory. You see, the world is looking to a kingdom instead of the kingdom. The world is looking to a king, an earthly king, instead of the king. It reminds me of the story of the, the prophet Isaiah. The prophet who saw God, church, send one angel to turn a battle around was a prophet with 40 years of experience. 40 years earlier, Isaiah was chastised by God because he was putting hope in a leader named King Uzziah. And God says to him, you have your eyes on the wrong man, you have your eyes on the wrong throne. Isaiah was 40 years wiser when he saw the Assyrian army defeated but before he got to that place, he trusted in a throne of an earthly king, not the throne. He trusted in an earthly king until something happened. And the world changed in one day for Isaiah, just like it did for the, the people in Ukraine. When the person that Isaiah seemed to trust in messed up everything. He died and God would take their death and speak to Isaiah that desire, you need to look higher than the throne you've been looking at. You need to trust in a different king and a different kingdom. And I want to read to you what the inexperienced desire writes 40 years earlier who has this vision. Everything he trusted was taken away from him. The king that he trusted in is now dead and he has this vision. Let me read it to you. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of His glory. Someone needs to say hallelujah. Church, 
it's usually not until crisis happens that men see their king. It's not until they start to realize that there is no earthly kingdom that can get them out of this mess that they look to their kingdom. You see, Isaiah knew the Lord, but it was in this tragedy that Isaiah saw the Lord. You see, one of the reasons that God brings trials and tribulations, church, is to remind us that our help doesn't come this way. Our help comes this way. Amen? And although the kings and kingdoms of this world come and go, our king and his kingdom are alive and well. Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 says it like this. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. And like it says in the book of Revelations chapter 11, when that final trumpet sounds, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ and he shall reign for how long? Forever and forever and forever. And as a church, as we go into this season, that's going to be our primary focus, the kingdom. We are going to lift our eyes to the throne because even though we are going into unprecedented and uncertain times, even though there will be wars and rumors of wars, even though our governments and educational systems will try and control how we live and how we should construct our families, we know where our help comes from and we know who is sitting on the throne. Our help comes this way, not this way. Like I said earlier, I know that the kingdom is a broad statement because it's used in a number of different contexts in, in the Bible. But let me just give you a few key areas, not all of them. Let me give you some key areas that we will be focusing on over this next season. When we speak about the kingdom, we will be focusing on themes like our kingdom mandate. Because church, before we do anything, we need to remember what the Lord commissioned us to do in Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. This commission must remain our mission in everything we do as the church. Number two, we will put our focus on kingdom principles. Because there are certain principles that govern any kingdom. And there is a divine order that we can look to in the Word of God to counteract the chaotic order of this world. And this church is something that we will be focused on very specifically and we will speak directly to issues of society that are dead set against God's divine order for family, for righteous living and for the freedoms that we have received in Christ's name. Number three, we will speak to the areas that relate to kingdom culture. Because as we fulfill our vision as a church, which speaks to impacting cultures around the world, we realize that we, to have a kingdom culture means a transformation in our thinking. Romans chapter 12 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. 
We need to transform our thinking and allow the Holy Spirit unlimited access to our souls so that we can bear the fruit spoken of in Galatians chapter 5. There are altars that we need to break down and there are new ones that we need to construct and continually build upon for a healthy kingdom culture. Number four, church, we will also focus on kingdom readiness. And what I mean by kingdom readiness, church, in essence what I'm saying is that we need to be prepared for the Lord's return. We can feel those birth pains, right? And those contractions are getting shorter and, and shorter. So more than ever before, we need to be ready because it says in Scripture that when the Lord comes, it will come like a thief in the night. And this year, church, we will begin a series on Bible prophecy to get a better understanding of where we are on the biblical timeline so that we don't fret when we see the world falling apart around us. Number five, we will also focus on being kingdom representatives. Because church, we are living in a world right now that not only needs to hear about the power of God's saving love, they need to see it and feel it. They need to see it and feel it from us. We need to become conduits of this love that has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This world is going into to dark days. It's already here. And we need to be the salt and the light of this world to let them know that there is someone who is willing to enter the battle with them. His name is Jesus, and of His kingdom, there is no end. Church, there is much more that we will unpack in the weeks and months to come. We have some exciting ministries that we will be starting. Lots of places for you to get involved. As I said, we will be starting a series on biblical prophecy. We will carry on with our, our series on the book of Acts, among many other things. But as I close this morning, church, my call to you is to grab a hold of what God is, is telling us and, and leading us and where He's leading us in this season to grab a hold of that and to run with us. Remember, the church is not just the pastors and the leadership or the building that you're sitting in right now. You are the church. And you may say, but pastor, that, that vision is massive. When I look at that, that's massive. What you've been speaking about today is massive. I would say to you, yes, but so is the God that we serve. You see, some may trust in, in horses and some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And he says, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Church, are you excited to be a part of what God is doing in our church in this season? If that's you, just give him a great shout of praise, would you? And church, as we go into the season, we're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. And pressure is going to come from all sides. When you do that, you just need to look up and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. May His kingdom come. May His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, give Him all the glory this morning, would you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.